Welcome, everybody, to Midweek Matinee, the show where we talk about a new movie that we choose every week and dissect and discuss it. This week was Blake's choice, mine. <laughs> this week we're discussing the 2019 film Bliss, directed by Joe Bagos. So, um, this was not my first time watching it. What about you, Brett? Have you ever seen this movie before? So I knew about the movie when you mentioned it last week. I remember seeing the trailer before it actually had come out. And there's also another movie that I feel like had a very similar um, release window, though it might have been a little bit older, that I remember also involving painting that made me really curious as to what the hell was going on. And I wish I could remember the name of that movie. It's another one. The Lady on Fire? I think they were both late 2019, right? Let me see. Portrait. Portrait this year, Chris. Uh, This year. Oh shit! Why did I feel like just because I'm curious? Let me go double check and see if that is it. No, okay. So this one's a more modern one where it's like something to do with her paintings coming alive or something and fucking with people within the uh, art gallery that they're in. Okay, but I remember both trailers. That sounds interesting. Looking really interesting (laughs) to me, and I wanted to see them because they both kind of had that little thriller aspect going about them, where it's like, what the hell's actually going on here? Yeah. yeah, so I uh, excited to watch it, and I uh, I enjoyed it. I'll go ahead and spoil that much of it. I did yeah. enjoy the movie. Good, I'm glad you enjoyed it. What about you, Chris? Had you ever seen this movie before? Uh, no, I had not ever seen um, Bliss before. Okay, did you enjoy it? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs> um, I will preface before I say how I feel about this movie with I think this is a House of 1000 Corpses situation where I think this movie went for something and for people who like it it pulled it off. Yeah. Um you just didn't like the whole like aesthetic and vibe of it. No, I I straight up think this might be one of the worst movies I've ever fully watched. Wow. <laughs> Well, good thing you didn't fully watch Irreversible. Huh? <laughs> I, w- I was thinking while watching it that I would rather be watching Irreversible. That's, that's wild. That's crazy. So I was really nervous to hear what you guys thought because I fucking love this movie. Yeah, I knew you do, and I was kind of nervous to talk about it because I didn't want to be a dick, but I have to be honest. Yeah, no, sure. totally. <laughs> You're not going to hurt my feelings. I didn't make the movie. Uh, I know, but I knew Sorry, you really Mr. liked Vegas. it. I know you listened to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, and that's the thing. I want to be specific where like, I can very much see why someone might like it, I guess. I think your admiration for it is a little insane just because you like it so much, but that's totally cool. I don't know. It wasn't for me. So I went into this movie knowing that it was kind of like a vampire movie, but Mm -hmm. not to exactly like, I wasn't sure if it was full on like, oh, these people are vampires or if it was more like, oh, this chick is kind of crazy and she's like biting people Mm -hmm. because I knew it was also had to do with like drugs and shit too. So I went into it not a, not, I, I was really hyped for it because the trailer was dope, but I didn't really know what to think because I'm honestly not a big vampire movie person. Sure. Yeah. Like, I like The Lost Boys. It's a fine movie. And, like, Interview with the Vampires, interesting. And it's not bad. I like it. But I don't, I'm not in love with any vampire movie. And so this is, like, by far my favorite vampire movie ever. Okay. Bold. So... To speak a little bit to Chris's thing, I clearly said I enjoyed the movie, and I did. And while watching it, though, I kept having this thing of like, you know, 
I don't really know that I like the movie for its content so much as I like the movie for its bold choice of style. Sure. And I kept kind of trying to weave a little bit of that, paying attention uh, to that while finishing up watching the movie from when that first thought kind of crept into my head. And the interesting thing is by the end of it, I'm still not entirely sure. I think that my enjoyment leans at least more on the stylistic choices made from the visual aspects and the auditory aspects, both musically and just general (laughs) sound effect. But, and that's kind of what one of my notes actually about the movie was specifically that I think that as an audio visual experiment experience, like the movie is excellent. And, I think it does a lot to push on what the visual layer of movies can be. Not saying the other movies that are, are more con, you know conventional don't have that. Sure. But the majority of the time watching this movie, I found myself having a hard time even looking away to write notes because it was a fairly engrossing movie just visually to watch for me. Yeah. Yeah, even so. with it being my second watch, it was hard for me to take notes too. It was hard for me to take notes as well because even upon my second watch, it was um a lot of it's really fast moving, right? There's a lot of real quick cuts, especially with her when she's looking in mirrors like specifically. Mm-hmm. And you're unsure of like what is reality and what she's like hallucinating. And I didn't sure. want to look down to write even like five words and miss something that like might, you know, um, tell you like what might be reality or what's not yeah see i think that's what it was for me too as i kept lingering and i think this is a strength of the movie in that i didn't want to disconnect from the movie because i was waiting and looking for if and not even in a way of like i expected that it had to but like is the movie going to give me some idea of what is reality and what is not and has this been reality all along or is this like dissociation or disassociation so with every little aspect, I kept doing the same thing. And there was a time where I went down to type a note and then something happened quickly. And I looked up and I was like, I, I don't even know what I just missed. Yeah. <laughs> and I decided to just roll with it and not rewind it and just let the movie keep happening. Cause I didn't want to kind of interrupt the flow that it had set. Sure. But yeah. Um, another thing that kind of struck me as interesting about Chris's wording was another thing that I took a note of in that this movie does seem to have a lot of inspiration from something like house of 1000 corpses in the fact that in a lot of the moments due to the, of course, just the subject matter at hand and the musical choices and everything is that it almost has this vibe that house of a thousand corpses had really going for it. And that it's almost like a really fleshed out music video. Yeah. Especially the last like seven minutes. Yeah. Where she's and just I think, dancing yeah. naked and covered in blood and paint. Yes. Yeah. There's a couple <laughs> of scenes in between that kind of hit that. And there are some music videos that kind of do push more towards that filmic route. Like one that comes to mind is the video for Snuff from Slipknot. Uh, is very much like it'll completely stop the music for a number of minutes to kind of build up this very mysterious plot and then come back in with the music suddenly. And I like that. So, yeah, it gave me the the editing and the stylistic choices and a lot of the things going on just gave me this vibe of watching a music video and definitely something more along the lines of like a late 90s through early 2000s, early to mid 2000s music video. Uh, and it was, like I said, it was enticing 
but it was constantly hard to figure out. Like, I know I don't hate the movie for its content. I know that. I, I think yeah. it was solid enough, but I think it's so visually striking and then auditorily stimulating that you just, it almost leaves no room for you to spend too much time thinking about the rest of it. Sure. And that's either, that can be for good or for bad, depending on, you know, how you feel about movies. Right. Yeah, I but when it comes to like the content of it, I really enjoy the story. So like, not knowing whether like we're kind of in the dark as she is too, like not knowing whether she's actually a vampire or mm-hmm. like just fucking torn the fuck up on like all kinds of shit. Like, yeah. what, what did he say it was coke and DMT? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> fucking crazy shit. So, <laughs> um. Like, I enjoyed that aspect of it, and I enjoyed seeing her kind of spiral out of control while trying mm-hmm. to, like, paint this painting because that's, like, her livelihood. Like, that's her job or whatever. And mm-hmm. finally being able to... And she said she was three months sober, and she hasn't painted in three months. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, I definitely, like I said, I think that the content of the movie is compelling enough on its own for me, but I think that it's very much heightened, or at least moment to moment, it's much more heightened by what's going on in conjunction with it. Yeah. And I wonder, I don't think it should, but it's just a, one of those curiosities of when you see it in this form, which I do think is probably its peak form for what they were aiming for. Like Chris said, if you, if you're into it, it aimed for something and it hit it. It's just kind of, do you like that or not? Uh, So I do think that this is probably the movie in its peak form. But there is that kind of morbid curiosity side of me as to what is this movie disconnected, like story content-wise, what is this movie disconnected from the musical choice, the visual choices in terms of kind of like the art design and the and the uh, framing that they choose to use and the color palettes and the way that they choose to have a lot of ambient lighting kind of cast tonal lights onto things so that scenes have a hue to them. Yeah, to kind of shift them. So all of those things are part of the movie's aesthetic, and everything else goes into it outside of just aesthetic. You know, like the auditory sense and the choice of music and the audio mixing that goes into a lot of it. What is this movie separated from those things, and is it still close to as enjoyable? I don't even know if there's really a way to work that out. I mean, I guess unless someone's made a very similar movie without these stylistic flares. Yeah, I think the stylistic flares or whatever are key to it like i don't think it would work without him personally but again well, like you said it's also hard to say that because that's you've already seen it so you know it works <laughs> right yeah well and it's a little bit like part and parcel for <laughs> the i shouldn't say the subject matter but the overarching thing of it being in relation to vampires now we don't know the movie constantly makes you doubt whether this is actually real or not so at the end of the day you're still and I think this is to the benefit of the movie. It does great in that suspense of not knowing, but at the end of the day, it's ultimately trying to be a vampire movie in a lot of ways, or at least involved with them. Clear at the end. See, I I, I disagree. And she fucking explodes when the sun comes up. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was clear but, through the entire movie that she was a vampire. I don't know why. Well. It, <laughs> Because she was also hallucinating, right? So she would stand in the mirror and like see the blood trickle, and then she wouldn't see it. And yeah. So there was a lot of things that led you to believe, like she's just you know the basically all, in a state all, of psychosis. All that it led me to believe was that 
when she became a vampire, she blacked out. And as her body was changing into a from vampire, I, I to me the movie was portraying it like she went back and forth a lot. So mm-hmm. when she would go back to human, some of the stuff that she was doing as a vampire would go away, or she was seeing as a vampire would go away. And then she was just when she was more of a vampire. I don't know. I guess the best way I can say it is like almost how a person who's gender fluid describes himself is that's how this movie felt to me with the vampire stuff until the end when it just full on was like yeah she's a vampire this is what's happening yeah there's no more mystery and she stopped going back and forth yeah at one point she does and I don't like I said I think I think it was clear from the point where she was like super clear when she was at the dealer's house and she attacked everybody yeah I thought it was just clear in the bathroom See, now here's the thing. I agree with all of you in that I was like, oh, this could either be very clear or we're going to get, because of course I've not seen it. So sure. I kept Hood wondering, wink. do we end up seeing this <laughs> thing of where in her deep dive and desperation to be able to tap back into whatever she thought her creative spirit was, you know, it clearly she thinks it's fueled by drugs. So she's kind of trying to tap back into this life through desperation. And we continue to see that throughout the movie, like when she's calling Courtney and saying like what did you do to me and then a couple of seconds later she's like i need to feel like i did last night because it's the only thing that she's seeing that's giving her progress on this painting so what i was thinking might happen because i think you're right the movie makes it clear that at least as far as she believes and as far as you're seeing is led through her as the narrator that she's probably a vampire she's basically a vampire but i kept wondering like you know is this just like her mind slipping further into like a state of psychosis where she's disassociating into believing these things and are these things actually happening or is she just having little like is she not even necessarily leaving her apartment are these things just kind of happening like the first time she left the apartment but once she had the diablo that the rest of it's kind of just a crazy bunch of stuff happening in her head which i didn't think it was as likely but you know on the chance but then i kept also wondering like you know if we were seeing her delve into a state of psychosis that was eventually going to be revealed like she had lost her mind in the pursuit of this to where when she was at the dealer's house and she lunged on them she was biting them and doing all these things but she didn't actually kill them it was just like a heightened that she was she was so messed up that she was uh, imagining she's a vampire regardless of whether she actually was. And I think those are all to their own degree, various levels of interesting ways to take this story, but I'm fine with the way that it actually ended. But I still, I, I, I think you're right in that. I guess it is technically clear by the end of the movie that they don't do anything to say otherwise, but I guess there's also this feeling at the end of the movie that we never see her really come off of anything. It doesn't seem like so. It's. I don't think there's any wrong answer. But if y'all think I'm wrong and thinking that there's not a wrong answer, then that's fine. But I like the openness of that ending. It, it's yeah. a. It's both a good thing and a thing where it would be kind of cool to also have a for sure what's going on. But the vague mystery is a little more enticing to keep it sticking around in your head just a little bit longer. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I guess this is the thing for me is. I don't think this would have improved the movie for me at all, but I guess the only way that I see any mystery is if the movie ends and she's not a vampire. That, yeah, that's sure. the thing. I'm, I'm completely disconnected on you guys with this, so I don't know necessarily that we need to keep going back and forth on it. 
but like i don't understand how there was any mystery to the fact that she was a, a vampire because yeah if the movie had ended where it's like no she's just nuts then i would have been like oh shit that's cool that made that that's interesting but she's yeah. just a vampire through the whole movie like there was no to me like i i get that she was on drugs the whole time me it didn't even seem like they were trying to hide the ball like i feel like jacob's ladder which i complained about the twist in that one's too hid the hit its ball better than this movie did like it at least attempted it, it to where yeah. if you feel like this movie doesn't yeah well, this i don't think this movie does at all i don't think there's any there's i don't really don't even think there's any attempt that's why i'm kind of so confused listening to you guys maybe it's just because i have a i have a lot of problems with this movie but possibly i mean i just that, don't it could just be a base situation and sorry blake but it could just be a it could be a basic situation of the the way that you take in information i think there's a lot of very abstract forms of uh i I don't even know if i'd say information but there's a lot of abstract scenes that when i'm looking at it to me it's kind of like what is the scene trying to tell me and you can look at it point blank for what it's actually doing at the moment which is telling you it's a vampire and I think uh, there's plenty of people who would do that, but I think there would also be people who view and be like, you know, is there some kind of deeper meaning within this? And maybe it's just the mindset that I went into it with. I don't really know. So yeah. I, I, I could see it being weird that if you think it's 100% one way and then you hear somebody say something different, it almost feels like you, a tale of two movies where it's like, I feel like they watched a different movie than I did. My confusion with what you're saying is it ends with her as a vampire. So there is no, there is no mystery because she was, that's the thing that I'm very stuck on. Like, I understand where you're coming from that. I guess if you want to look at it that way, but to me, because of how the movie ends, there's, there's literally no mystery throughout the movie. The movie is very straightforward, which is, which is part of the problem because she died, because she's clearly a vampire at the end when she fucking explodes. (laughs) Um, like the movie answers the movie at that point is like everything you've been seeing is what's happening so i guess you could question it in the moment but once the movie ends i feel like there's just no more room for that it's just so on a silver platter she was a vampire she's a vampire the whole time any mystery we set up didn't pay off because it just was what it was well i don't think it was intentionally set up to be like this big mystery i don't Mm -hmm. know I just think that there were certain scenes where it kind of played with the idea of maybe it's the drugs or maybe it's real vampirism, you know, mm-hmm. because it doesn't set up like a lot of vampire movies it doesn't set up with the lore or anything of like, oh, vampires are real or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that like the part where I disagree with Brett wholeheartedly is the ending. Like, I don't think there's any openness to the yeah, ending I at don't. all. She fucking exploded. She's fucking dead. She's a vampire when the sun came up, whatever. Like, but I think up until you know, a few minutes before that, up until really when the bodies like melted, I think yeah. there was some some nuance to it. You know, I don't. I'm not gonna say I was totally confused of like, wait, this is a vampire movie, but there were scenes where I was like, you know, with her going back and forth like in the mirror, like that's I talked about it a minute ago, but I think that's the key point to where you watch it and you're kind of like, well, maybe she's hallucinating it all. I don't know. Because she keeps flipping back and forth at the drop of a hat, you know? Yeah, I think when I look at those scenes, too, I kind of view it as, like, again, is it is it being straightforward and being more of, like, you know, it's her vampire self trying to kill her human self? Or, to me, I think I was looking at it a little bit more, regardless of whether it was right to, you know, the way I was interpreting it 
was more of like it could be a double meaning like you know you you see her vampire self killing her real self but the vampire self doesn't necessarily have to represent a real vampire as much as it could be her real self wanting to kill the or the her her what she views as her real self her creative self as you know because she clearly holds a lot to that you know we hear that and how she talks to clive and everything about how he doesn't know what it's like to create and that she would rather give everything up to create than just yeah, sit there bitch. drinking his, <laughs> her life away or whatever and the reason i say that is like she clearly holds her creativity in such high regard and she knows that that's a big reason as to why she has not gotten anywhere as you mentioned she's been sober for three months but she's not also painted in three months. So I was kind of looking at it like, you know, it's it's her normal self being resentful towards the fact that her creative self uh, is either, you know, only there when it's drug and fueled and drug induced, or it was her creative self that of how she actually sees her real self, you know, trying to kill off the clean version that she had been working to build that's not really who she is. Now, that's a, a lot of, again, it depends on how you come into things. It's a lot of looking for symbolism. And I personally saw the movie trying to set up situations to potentially have symbolism, uh, definitely with small things like how the painting, every time she goes, it's like it continues to build as long as there's a pile of bodies. So it's like she's painting every time there's some kind of a blood fueled episode and it continues yeah. to grow as she does more and as she kills more and more and it builds up towards this thing. And I kind of viewed it as a symbolism of, her killing all these connections that she has with people as she's choosing to go crazy and she's building up this masterpiece on the backs of all of her relationships and friendships being be it metaphorically or physically and i'm sure that's still ultimately part of what the movie's doing even if you take it through the very real lens of a vampire killing everybody <laughs> you know to do that <laughs> yeah. but there's that um but i think also just to kind of give myself without saying anything because it's a completely different movie i think it's a lot of the way that i personally viewed and i know that a lot of people viewed as i've had a lot of discussions about it a movie like joker where the reason that i think i never got complete closure and i'm glad <sighs> i didn't is that feeling of her being the only narrator we see and since she's so binged out this entire movie on all this stuff she's unreliable or potentially unreliable and i think the movie does yeah. give at least some reason to believe that she's unreliable so even the ending which can be taken as her blowing up in the sun because she's legitimately a vampire can be that or you know it could be some weird thing where it's like the it's the symbolic death of something else the yeah. death of who she could be that's <laughs> who she wants to be and that's just uh I mean, maybe it's just the way I'm choosing to look at it. And again, I leave it completely open that she could just be a fucking vampire and I'm still fine with that ending. She shoots <laughs> herself in the head and comes back to life. Yeah. I dude, mean, I don't even understand. Fuck, man. Again. <laughs> I love that shit. Her face like rebuilding itself. Oh, yeah. That was sweet. See, y'all talked about the, the bodies melting. I actually thought that the way that the majority of the effects in the movie are handled and then suddenly the way you see that, it's almost got this like tripping balls vibe to it to me. So like when the body's melting, I was like, that looks weird as fuck. And not even in a way that was like, oh, this is just bad CG. It's like, this was clearly designed to look this way. Yeah. So. Well, it also, you know, you have to go into it. Or at least, I mean, we didn't go into it because I just found out. So I, y'all are probably finding out unless you did some research. But it was made on like less than $250,000. Wow. Yeah. And 30000 of that was just the 16 millimeter film that they used. 
So it's really made on like, you know, 220,000. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I actually throughout the thing kept wondering like why is this a shutter exclusive? Was it budgeted out and made this way did did shutter originally it was finance this uh dark sky bought it from them and then dark sky got it out to shutter gotcha and see that's what i was trying to like figure out because i think company i think the majority and actually i'll say pretty much all of them because i think that every effect looked purposeful to me i thought the effects yeah. were killer throughout the majority of the movie yeah it looked fucking great like there was yeah. nothing that was like oh that looks bad yeah like maybe in twenty years or something when shit like escalates more. But again, like taking the budget into consideration, it looked fucking fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of very practical effects. So, Chris, uh huh, let's shoot it on over to you, buddy. What did you not like about the movie, or at least in general? You don't have to name off like everything that you didn't <laughs> like, but so I guess because you guys just talked about the look, is that was one of the things I hated about the movie. I thought it looked like shit. Um, but the thing I hated the most was that every character is awful except the boyfriend and the drug dealer every character is yeah, I love the drug absolutely <laughs> fucking terrible and i hated every i hated watching every single person on screen yeah not saying yeah, thing about the likable. actors but right I, yeah yeah they're absolutely just fucking god awful they're just all assholes like desi anytime she spoke i i hated it and she's the main character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. It's gonna, this is going to make me sound like a fucking prude, but they used fuck so often that it was distracting. Yeah, you know, with it being the second watch, I noticed that too. And mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, I know people that li- like actually talk like that. Like, you know, every other word is fuck or whatever. Yeah. And there are times, like, especially when I'm, like, fucking drunk or whatever, that I'll cuss a lot. And I just, well, like, I just fucking said it, like, four times. But it did, it sounded forced, especially in certain it, scenes. It did. And that was what I was going to kind of bring up is Uncut Gems has the most fucks in movie history. And it, you, you don't notice number it. four. Huh? I said it's technically number four. Whatever. They, they say fuck <laughs> 560 times in that movie. And it was less noticeable than it was in this movie. Yeah. You know, and it it was just, I don't know if it was the actress playing Desi or what, but it felt, it's like when you hear a kid say fuck and they put all this emphasis on it, like it's the most important word in the sentence. And it was anytime she spoke that she was doing that. And I was like, I fucking hate this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I really like the main actress, but also don't really like the main actress like i'm kind of torn on it Mm. i originally knew her from not new but had seen her in the friday night lights tv show yeah she was like one of like the very small side characters or whatever yeah i remember the first time seeing this i was like where the fuck do i know her from and i had to look it up because it was really bugging the shit out of me Mm -hmm. because i'd never seen her in anything else even since then so i think it is you know it's just something about her i don't know like I yeah. said, I like her a lot, but I also don't like her a lot. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's a problem with the movie because it's every character. And I think that's the... I think the thing is, she's just a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. She's just that's terrible exactly person. It. But yeah, everyone they're, they're is They're bad terrible. characters in the truest sense of bad. Like, it's not that they're necessarily poorly written, though there could be an argument for that. 
they're written to be just no terrible people exactly (laughs) she's just at every corner i didn't want her to succeed yeah yeah i don't disagree i i think it's interesting to have movies like that sometimes though yeah at least in my mind like you know i don't want every movie that i watch to be like wow all those people were garbage but every now and then I do enjoy a good like yeah. fuck these people and I'm enjoying watching this for some reason. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's the thing with like Good Time and uh Breaking Bad and Sure. Uncut Gems is none of the characters are are likable but you want to see what happens to them. I didn't yeah. want to see what happened to her. If she sure. had killed herself in the beginning of the movie, the movie would have been better. If it had just gone and focused <laughs> on the fucking guy with a horse cock and Courtney, I would have probably preferred that movie. So that brings up an interesting thing about the way I thought that they chose to write the characters. I thought the reason they were t- trying to do it is because typically in a situation like this, like if you're building up this story, most people would be looking at this from like the, the vampire part is supposed to be the tragic part. And I'm not saying that the movie is implying that it isn't, but I think the movie's actively trying to actually mess with the expectations of the viewer in the sense of that they're building these characters up to be such terrible people, including Desi. So that when she goes into these breaks of vampirism, that you're not actually rooting for her. Like you said, in the real world situation of her being a painter, who's just trying to get by, like you can sympathize, you can, I don't know if I said say sympathize, but you can see it and be empathetic to where she is and understand why she'd be going down this, but you don't really root for her. Yet, I found myself really rooting for her in the most interesting ways when she was killing off the really shitty characters. I guess... Like, when she was fighting Courtney, I was like, fuck yeah, fuck Courtney. She's a bitch anyway. That's the only shitty character she killed, though. Yeah, that's the thing, is I liked her less than every other character. But he wasn't really bad. He just wanted his fucking money. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I'm not saying there was a ton of them, and I I mean, it also depends. I I think the actual dealer himself, which I can't think of his name right now, I've I've been doing such a good job of keeping that, but that's the only name I did actually not put down. I'll find Uh, it for you. But the dealer himself, I thought, was a really likable character and really good. And I also liked that he cared. And they did a lot of stuff of showing both Clive, her boyfriend slash love interest, and yeah. the dealer. He has my favorite line in the movie. When Who? she's, um, the dealer does. When she's okay. saying, like, um, she's talking to him about, like, the shit's working. And she's like, whatever it is, it's working. And he's like, I'm not sure I'd agree with that assessment. <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess that was the thing is, like, and maybe that's something interesting this movie does where the characters that you'd stereotypically think were bad are good characters, you know? Yes, yeah. that's what I was going to say, too. Dealer. But there's a lot of role. All the old dudes sitting at the table, like, I fucking loved all those guys. See, yeah. now, that was the weird thing. Is I, But then again, if you're looking at them within the world of what's going on, I'm not saying they did anything just terribly god-awful, but I don't think that they did anything to really build them up as much of a character outside of the, the well, no, but interaction I just mean, like, specifically. The you see them, like, I just wanted to sit down at the table and like play cards and point guns at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't feel strongly one way or another about them. I did feel like they did a good job setting up the dealer himself and just the fact that he was kind of like already saying that you probably shouldn't do this. He kept trying to pull sure. her off. And I mean, don't wrong. He's still clearly somehow bad in this, but it, it is interesting that they find a way to make him more likable than the majority of the characters introduced. I don't think he's bad at all. I mean, the only bad thing I guess you could say is that he's like selling drugs to people. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Stance on that kind of thing. But yeah, like, like well, cause like you gotta, that, th- yeah, like that's exactly it. 
she's coming and he knows she's been clean for three months from what she's basically sitting there and telling him. Yeah. And yet he's he's going ahead and giving into this without really stopping and being like, Hey, are you really sure you want to do this? So, and I get it. Maybe he's not her friend, even though the movie makes it does, makes it seem like they are to a, to a degree friends. Um, or at least that he's capable of just caring about someone's well-being. And I like that yeah. despite the fact that he gave in and sold his drugs to begin with, that when push came to shove and she's there trying to get more and more and more, he's like, no, just calm down. Take a drink of water. I'll, t- I'll take you to the hospital. Like, you know, just let, let's make sure that you're okay. I like that. That was good humanization yeah. of a character like Chris said that typically people view in a more negative stance. And the character that a lot of movies would try and do, which is like the burgeoning artist who's just trying to get back out there and get this piece done so that she can move on with life is the one that you don't actually like all that much yeah the characters are interesting so going back to chris's thing about the dialogue is uh even on my first watch i noticed the excessive use of cussing but i also noticed that it was almost like it was a view of how she disconnected from the life that she had when she was out doing her crazy things because i noticed she never like she cussed plenty of times even at the beginning of the movie when she's kind of lying to the landlord and talking about how she's gonna go get her commission check and how she's getting fucked by her agent and then she's therefore fucking him and they're all just getting fucked. But it was more realistic and believable dialogue. And the moment she starts kind of starting to spiral downwards, it continues to get worse and worse and worse. And as her attitude and her chaos around her continues to get worse and worse, the less believable it becomes and it feels forced and weird. And I thought that was kind of on purpose. It might not have been, but... Really? You thought it sounded more natural as she got more chaos? Well, I think the first scene of the movie is when she, it feels forced that she's like cussing a lot. That's what you mean, right? Yeah, I'm talking about like, you know, we see her cussing a lot in terms of talking to Clive and then talking to the landlord. Yeah. And I thought that those felt personally more natural than when she's gumming it up with Courtney the first time around. It already starts to feel a little weird there. And then I think it feels to me the most weird when she's in that second bit with Courtney. Uh, before she's completely frantic but she's just sitting there about to meet the dante guy and she's saying fuck this and fuck that left and right in a way that does feel forced see it is funny just because i mean there's nothing like either one of us could be wrong because it's just an interpretation or whatever sure but (laughs) i i'm the complete opposite like i think the beginning is when it feels forced and it gets more natural throughout interesting yeah yeah like i don't really know how to explain it but like I don't like I said with her talking to Clive and it was like literally every other word was like fucking 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 fuck and then towards <laughs> the end I felt like she even said it less and maybe I'm wrong there maybe I just noticed it less See, as time I went thought on. she said it yeah I thought she said it more definitely towards the end but it was in a way that felt more natural like at the worst of it when she's calling back and forth and trying to call everybody, trying yeah. to call Courtney, trying to call the dealer who she's unsure if she actually did kill. Cause it seems again with her as the narrator that we're seeing like a quick flash to her, maybe remembering what's going on, but no, like not believing that she would have done it. So wanting to go check on them. But yeah. throughout all of that, she's having a lot of, she's cussing a lot, but it's in a way that feels right. Whereas other times, like she's just sitting there smoking, like Chris said, and she's just blowing it up with like, fuck it, fuck this. And that fucker, fuck, fuck. And it just feels like when people make fun of like the basic white woman. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know a scene you're talking about where it's like the camera's just kind of behind like three people sitting in front of her listening quietly. 
basically. Yeah, there's a lot kind of, of weird scenes. looking. That whole scene was like strange. Yeah. It felt like it was um like a lot of the film, especially because I don't know how they did it. I guess they like mounted a camera to her. And when she was like walking, it would like follow her really closely and it felt like it was mounted because every time she would slightly turn the camera would slightly yes. move. Yeah, I think so as well. And so that was the one scene where I was like, the camera just, it feels like it's being filmed. Like, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Sure. And so I guess I, mean, I, I see your, It wasn't quite that strong yeah. for me, but I get your point nonetheless, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, I have yes. a question. Now, you said you thought the movie looked like shit. Yes, I did. I just want a little more clarification as to what you mean. Like, you thought the actual film itself looked like shit the lighting was bad or do you just not like the stylistic choice of how they used colors like is it more of a style choice or do you think it objectively looks bad i think it objectively looks bad and i didn't like the style okay yeah i thought one of the weird things about the early scenes definitely the one where she is like first sitting there doing all that shit with courtney and whatever her boyfriend's name is mm-hmm. uh, but i thought that they had a purposeful like it it didn't it felt purposeful but what that what it's called in video editing is hsv noise yeah where it's just everything looked like it was super noisy it's because it, i think they were going for a grindhouse look i think so as well like but Tarantino i was curious and Rodriguez did the because it wasn't feature, there you know? later you know what i mean yeah well you, it was you specifically the around that scene in rodriguez double feature uh no, planet sure. terror and death proof uh, I, I've, I've seen Death Proof, but I've never watched Planet Terror. Okay, Death Proof had it as well, but Planet Terror was like way yeah. worse. It was I in- definitely know Grindhouse, and I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm yeah. definitely familiar with that look, but I found it so weird that it was there, and because of the fact that it definitely could have been purposeful, but because it's only there in this low-light situation, I was like, did they just underexpose and have to bump the brightness so much that it ends up crushing these colors to where they look like this is HSV noise applied on purpose. Well, I think it was throughout the film too, though. And maybe it was less noticeable because like that was one of the most, like the brightest scenes that, that might've been it, or it might've been that because as the movie went on, it stayed that I became more adjusted to it. Maybe that too. But I remember seeing it in some of the later scenes too, and noticing it. And I do think they were going for a grindhouse feel, because yeah. this movie kind of feels like a grindhouse movie. It's very low budget. There's a lot of cussing, a lot of nudity, a lot of gore. And that's <laughs> very much in line with like grindhouse trash. You know what I mean? And yeah, I use so- trash lovingly. <laughs> yeah. So on, the style thing was interesting to me because when watching it, it feels right in line with tip. You know, they very seldom, and I mean, even Twilight taps into this in the <laughs> sense of it's very seldom that they show any kind of vampire stories, definitely in movies where they want to focus on the visual aspects a little bit more. It's like vampires can't just be normal looking. I think the most normal vampires I've seen and personally in a movie has been like interview with a vampire where they're just essentially normal people in like Victorian London clothes (laughs) for the majority of the movie. But a lot of vampire movies like lost boys and this, they're all cool looking. They're all, there's some sense of style and edginess and even twilight kind of turns it on its head by making them be like perfect and kind of like preppy to a weird degree, but also (laughs) with a little stint of trying to be cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it didn't feel weird to me in thinking that this is supposed to be a vampire film that it chose the style, but that is a style that I think is, can be really hit or miss. 
really badly because it made me a lot of parts of this movie made me think of queen of the damned and while i love that movie i haven't seen that one for almost purely nostalgic reasons it's a sequel to interview with a vampire (laughs) and it's a completely different movie yeah it's uh lestat from the first movie comes back around and he's played by um devin townsend or whatever his name is and uh yeah and he's like a rocker and the whole soundtrack for the he's in a band and the band plays a bunch of songs the whole soundtrack was written by jonathan davis and it's a banger soundtrack it's so good yeah Um, i love the soundtrack that's one of Haley's favorite movies and i just haven't gotten around to watching it but we end up listening to the soundtrack it's so good in a way that also it definitely now if you've never watched it i have a feeling you're gonna end up being like uh because it's really like the style they chose to go with and then the way they chose to do makeup just doesn't come together right so yeah well it's always looked like not good and also <laughs> like i said at the beginning i don't like vampire movies like yeah sure i saw the lost boys for the first time this year and interview the vampire last year because Haley made me watch them interview with the like, vampire is a great movie stuff. actually i think yeah but yeah i um, like both of them but, but chris just, it's not a genre yes. i go for do you like any vampire movie from that stylistic standpoint i know that you don't mind uh, I know that you have reasons as to why you like five star um, Twilight. He loves Twilight. Twilight. <laughs> yeah, but is there any uh, like? Do you like? Like, have you ever seen Lost Boys? I have not. No. Okay, I was just curious what other vampire media that you may have looked in because even things like the TV shows, like I True like Blood, Lot, the book, always keeps that little bit of a we're really cool and we're going to be like cool rocker grunge people because we're vampires and that's just what we do. I did like True Blood. <laughs> I forgot about that show. Yeah, I never finished True Blood, but I, I it definitely has some of. The, I think this movie pushes some of that design, you know, some of that design typicalness to the to an edge, which is cool. And I mean, yeah, I had no problem with it, but yeah, I could see that being something that's off putting depending on where you stand and what vampire media you've seen, and even if you've seen it, if you if it even strikes you, I think for some people it's a sense of nostalgia because I think that's why I ended up liking it is it gave me those Queen of the Damned vibes and I watched sure. Queen of the Damned when I was like eight. That movie's just part of who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very different in that regard but yeah, I I don't think that the movie looks objectively bad and I guess I, I would I, I would say that maybe fantastic. the reason that is is it's so stylish that even if it technically was objectively bad looking I don't think that that even plays into what it's trying to do. Yeah. But certainly I think it looks uh, great i love the filming look interest. to it yeah the 60 mil film was it looks great yeah and the coloring and like i mean my favorite scene of the movie is just her with the blood coming off her mouth driving mm. the car with the glasses on it's all purpley <laughs> like i yeah. just fucking love that shit with the camera right in front of the car i don't know yeah all the driving scenes were shot really well like i loved how they placed the cameras with them yeah it felt like the vampire version of like once upon a time in hollywood (laughs) because there was so much driving (laughs) there really was and i thought it was interesting that they put so much to that and then i also noticed that that's part of what gave it like a frantic feel later in the movie when she's returning to the dealer's house yeah and you don't see her drive there because i was like you see her drive pretty much everywhere else the rest of this movie so it's like it's cutting quickly to kind of give you the viewer that moment of like, no, she's really wondering what's happened. So we're not even going to waste time showing you her driving. It's just, she's there. And yeah. I think it also ties into that. She's bouncing in and out of those two realities, like Chris said. So it's like, 
you have any reason as to why it didn't show the driving. Maybe she doesn't even remember it. Maybe she's just suddenly at the house. But it's left up to you to kind of decide what you want to say with that. I just thought it was interesting that they suddenly were like, nah, fuck driving. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, I am interested. Is there mm. any parts of this movie that you enjoyed? <laughs> no, not one. Really? So you can't <laughs> no, name I, a single scene you liked watching? No, I no, I legitimately didn't like anything about this. That blows but, my mind because I fucking love it so much. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's the same thing with the the thing is, I kind of feel the same way I did about House of, House of a Thousand Corpses, except yeah. House of a Thousand Corpses had fun characters. Yeah, so that's fair. This had no fun characters, and the thing I find interesting is that you said you liked the story, but to me, there was no story in this movie. Like this movie didn't tell me anything didn't i i was basically this to me felt like what people complain about saw for where it's just gore porn except saw has a story like you know i mean this did have a story though it didn't have a good one <laughs> i mean i it, i disagree i couldn't tell you what what this movie was supposed to be about other than her doing her painting which is fine but the only thing in this movie that really relates to the painting is the is the drugs to me. Everything well, the story else, is all about the drugs and the vampirism and trying her trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, but they don't tell it. They don't. They they didn't tell it well to me, because crying what is going on, and then just uh, ten scenes of you just walking around with blood all over your face like that didn't interest me at all. There was yeah, no. It's real artsy. I will say while watching this movie and a lot of it hit me fine, but I did think to myself often, I, cause I know you chose it. And I was like, I think that Blake said he had seen this before. And while watching it, I was like, okay, I could see why Blake likes this. It's very Artur, you know, it's like, it's pushing and trying to do things in a little bit more of an artsy way, which again, I think actually worked, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I think that that's kind of a mixed bag chris on your thing i i do think that there's i i think the story is set up in such a way that you're gonna take different things about what it's actually about i guess you could say like what blake was saying it's about the drugs and then ultimately about the vampirism but i think that that's actually moving away from what the movie's honestly about which is just this seeing a person just pushed you know i mean it's to me at least i mean i think Chris clearly it didn't hit him this way but for me as a artist musician wise it's relatable to see like an artistic person feeling stuck and becoming more and more desperate to get past what pretty much all creative people know in terms of writer's block be it or creativity block whatever it may be because painting is clearly not writing but seeing that kind of push to a crazy stretched end of Every step of the way, you're like, okay, this is go. This is going from realistic and like I could see how someone ended up here to pushing so far that you're just like, what the hell's going on? But I think for me, at the end of the day, I just felt like the movie was about what artists do to give themselves over to their craft, even for the worse of it. You know, it's like showing that through the lens of something as crazy as a vampire story. But sometimes artists go to crazy extents to do things because they feel they have to. And I think it had some subtext of things like, you know, what that 
lifestyle can do to people like before you realize that there's a vampire i think there's probably some symbolism in the fact that the people that she was going around and hanging out with that were part of that lifestyle like courtney and all these people being vampires kind of gives you know a vibe of what that lifestyle can do to you and pull you away from it but you know that's all comes down to what you see in the story that I think is set up in such a way that it leans a little potentially too much on the viewer's interpretation of what's going on. And, and to Chris's point, that is technically an objectively bad story in the sense that if, if you're not in touch or if you don't happen to have whatever it is inside of you or a relatable point to where you don't touch into it, then it does feel not that it doesn't have a story. It just doesn't feel like it has a story that matters. Well, I'll I'll rephrase. I think (laughs) maybe it'll illustrate my point better. I don't think this movie tells a story. I think it shows you a story Mm. if you want to see it. And I don't, I didn't, like I said, I think part of it is you have to you had to invest in her to care, and I didn't care because I hated her. Sure. So anything the movie, any story the movie was trying to tell me fell flat because she was just either annoying me or killing someone. And I guess I should rephrase because the one thing I do like is a lot of the deaths were really cool. But at the same time, I felt the movie was so dark that you could barely see what was going on, which might be a product of the low budget, but... I think it's your TV. It wasn't dark for me. I mean, it's not usually that. I don't usually have an issue with that, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't agree that it was dark either, and even for me, when it was dark, there was normally some kind of light or something in the background that was giving it a darkness for silhouette purposes. Um and I, I honestly like that. But yeah, I mean, I get it. I think it's one of those stories of when a when something doesn't come together enough for you, everything that you find any kind of qualm with just starts to be another pebble on what's building to be a mountain for a reason as to why you just don't care or maybe yeah. even go as far as to dislike whatever it is. And I don't think movies have to tell a story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think... There has to be like some overarching meaning to any movie. Like yeah, I don't, I, I don't think necessarily it might mean have been that either. Brett that said relatable, like it's not relatable or whatever. But I don't, I don't like. There's a lot of movies that I love that I don't relate to at all. You know, sure, yeah. yeah you don't, don't have to be relatable to tell a good story. But I think that Chris, as a writer for books, and clearly when you're writing books, you have to write characters. That one of the ways that people tend doesn't have to be. There's no 100, percent but Typically, you want to find something to relate to, even if it's not relatable yeah. in the positive sense of the word. Sure. But I also can't think of a movie that doesn't tell a story in the way this does, <clears throat> which is, you could argue is a good thing, that this is a different type of movie, but I don't think there's any movie I've ever seen where if you didn't spell out the story for me, I couldn't tell you what it was other than she she becomes a vampire and the movie is about her basically looking for drugs and killing people and then but there's the also this painting. That. The movie's about her struggle. It's about her fighting and real like coming to the realization that she might be a vampire and like what the fuck that means. Yeah, that just you know didn't what I mean? connect like, with me for anything. It's not about, anything. oh, I gotta get my next fix. Like, that's not what the but movie is. But that's all it felt like to me. 
That's the problem. That's all this movie felt like to me was her freaking out. Her freaking out because she doesn't know she's a vampire, but it's also about the mostly about the drugs. That's how it felt to me. So. Yeah, I see. I think we all three have very, and and again, that's why I say it's it's kind of like a halfway to Chris's point, but also a point to the movie that could be depending on how you like that stuff, a point of favor in that we all three got very different things out of the story. Sure. Or out out. I guess we all three got very different things out of the framework for how it chooses to deliver what it does, and you you end up seeing different things about it as a result. And for Chris, since he didn't find anything directly to come into, it just kind of was in the middle, you know? Yeah, yeah and I think, I, you know, every story is up for interpretation, you know? And that's fine. Like, I'm not, I wasn't trying to, like, downplay, like, what you, what you didn't see in it, I guess, you know, Chris? Mm-hmm. So, I just wanted to ask, too, Brett, since um you did like the movie, what were some of your favorite scenes? <laughs> The, the scene thing is really interesting because you got to kind of break them down. So I think I have like series of scenes and different things that build. Um, sure. One of the things I really like that's just kind of a pad throughout the movie is that whenever she's kind of going on these little psychotic painting binges that early on we see like little glimpses of and then suddenly she wakes up and sees progress that she's not completely understanding how she got. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Typically those little flashes that we see, and even for the majority of the ending, you know, eight to 10 minute scene, there's like frantic painting. It's like, she's, she's doing everything with a frantic, but purposeful movement. We're like everything that she does, excuse me, every brushstroke she has, you're like, Oh, like that's really quick. And, like she's just going and blowing, but everything looks very purposeful and like she knows what she's doing, even if she's disconnected. But then at the very end of the movie, I don't, I, I'm still trying to process what exactly it was for what's going on. Maybe it was just supposed to be like a acceptance thing. Like she realizes that, maybe in the terms of what y'all are looking at, she's a vampire and this is going to be the last thing she ever does before she just dies. <laughs> and this is her legacy that at least they, something came out of it. But I like that right at the very end before the sun rises, she kind of slows down and she's having like delicate brushstrokes and like these final yeah. touches before she takes a step back and looks at the piece. And I thought that was cool. I don't it know why that just kind of struck me. <laughs> yeah yeah no i agree i enjoyed the frantic painting scenes and how they contrasted with earlier stuff yeah because you know you see her be like so unconfident when she's trying to do it soberly that when you see her just confidently but chaotically all at the same time painting and then you see the end product look so good it's like huh this is this is kind of crazy, but then that little, not even two minutes, it's like literally 30 to 45 seconds of her just kind of like gently brushing little bits and like doing these nice little final touches. I do think that there's, it's trying to be like a a moment of acceptance and, or maybe a moment of accomplishment. Like, you know, this is the end of everything that she had pushed herself so hard for, even if she's lost a lot along the way. But I thought that was really cool. (laughs) <laughs> Another one that kind of was throughout the movie was every time she was just in front of her mirror at her house yeah. and like freaking out and it was, you know, cutting super quick back and forth. 
But the one that really stuck with me, even from the first one, I knew it was coming up and I, I was waiting for it, was when she kind of turned and walked away, but her reflection was still there laughing at her. Yeah. Like, that shit was just fucking, like, terrifying. <laughs> like, something about reflections in horror <laughs> movies always gets me. Like, I know, Chris, you've seen, this isn't a spoiler or anything, but with Hereditary, like, when he when he's in class and he looks at the glass and his yeah. reflection smiles back at him. Yep, that's like, a great scene. fuck. Like, that kind yeah. of stuff. I don't know why, but it just fucking terrifies me. I've not gotten around to it, but, yeah, there, there's a, a horror movie that's built around that premise of, like, I don't exactly know what it is. I think it might be that there's, like, a, a mirror version of you in the mirror, and it's, Oculus? like... Oculus? Maybe I can't remember. Oculus but I remember seeing the trailer, good and it's based around a mirror. It's really fucking yeah. good. Uh, but that might be it. But yeah, uh, speaking of the mirror, one of my other scenes actually was because I, I liked a lot of the mirror scenes as well. Partially because I like the one that you mentioned. I saw as an opportunity for a lot of symbolism and looking at stuff. And since I was viewing it from that angle, I liked kind of looking at that, not only because they were strikingly shot, and I think that was a pretty cool setup. I definitely liked the color tone of that one in particular, where it's very gray and drab, and it's like the only color you do get. It's like her skin tone in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, just, I like I those. I don't know why it terrifies me so bad. Something about like the reflection of yourself turning on you is like fucking (laughs) terrifying. (laughs) Well, because I think right, that's why I say like we're looking at it for symbolism. It's like the if you look at it just from that, and you know it doesn't play into the story in any larger part. It's kind of like the way that you see yourself is no longer accurate. And I think a lot of people have a vision of how they view themselves, and when suddenly that changes. It does feel weird because it feels like there's a you you have what you've always viewed yourself as, and then suddenly you feel this other version, and it ends up feeling sinister or just wrong as a result. And I think that's why yeah. a lot of us look at that and are unnerved by it, even if it's just a real deep psychological thing that we don't know. But there's also probably other reasons as to why things like that happen, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why sure. why we naturally, despite the fact that we're the ones doing computer graphics right now, how do we have the ability? Uh, to feel the uncanny valley, which is a response, like an evolutionary response to be able to be cautious around like decoys and basically <laughs> false people who look like us. So it's like, well, what happened in the past that apparently looked like humans, but just not quite enough to where we were able to <laughs> build an ability to tell when they weren't human. But, um, yeah, I like those scenes, but the one that I really liked involving the mirror, just because it was impeccably shot, I thought it was really cool, is very close to the end of the movie when she walks up and it's a different mirror this time. It's that round mirror that's part like directly adjacent to her painting, and she walks up, walks to the thing, and I think she takes a bump of the Diablo, and then the camera stays right where it's at as she turns around and walks, and you see her walk to the painting from the reflection in the mirror and start painting. I yeah. thought it was cool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, just anything with mirrors in movies like trips me out. Like, how do they do that without seeing <laughs> the camera? I don't get it. <laughs> it always like I I know because I've seen like behind the scenes shit, but also sure. like every time I see it, I'm like, I don't get it. Still, <laughs> see, yeah, like your thing. What I, I think I, what I liked about my scene that I talked about is specifically the fact that that scene was almost 100% just a practical effect. Like, hey, if we place the mirror here. And we put yeah. the camera here. This is naturally what you'll see, and it'll make a very striking thing without us having to do anything else. It's all in the setup. Yeah, for sure. I was just kind of 
talking oh yeah sure yeah 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 and a lot of mirror scenes are used very interestingly even and that's a weird thing across everything games included the way they go about doing mirror stuff is so crazy definitely old games when that technology like reflections didn't exist so as crazy as it sounds like in silent hill 2 there's a thing where you see something play out in a mirror and what it actually is is the entire room and characters and everybody rendered twice mirrored and that's (laughs) that's so crazy because in a way that's almost creepier than just seeing it happen in the mirror it's like there's actual people back there (laughs) (laughs) but yeah movie mirror stuff is always crazy and it's cool to see how some people go about doing it because it can either be something simple like green screen or it can just be really interesting practical effects or you know it's it's cool i like seeing that stuff too yeah um did you have any other like favorite scenes or favorite anything else you really wanted to talk about i guess just in general i think the only thing i'd say now and i think this is something that that probably was part of chris's uh overall thing as to the the stylistic choices used here is uh, i really liked the way that they utilized editing to kind of play into you the viewer feeling things kind of devolve further and further into like an almost palpable chaos as she continues to be more and more frantic i guess it does depend on whether you ever tied into like regardless of whether you like her like if you're into what's going on then i think that that helps and gives you like this really crazy sense of all these jarring cuts and back and forth and the sounds they use to go along with it right it just it gives you a sense of like even if you don't fully understand what's going on at that particular second, because there's just a lot happening and a kind of a sensory overload, I think it's trying to give you a sense of what it's like for her to go through these things. But also it's just that I don't know what's going on, but all these things come together to give me a a general sense of unease that aids towards, I think what they're trying to get most viewers to feel. So I like that aspect. I mean, I think that the movie does a lot what to just keep you, the viewer, engaged as long as you did engage at the start. And then if you didn't sure. engage, you're just watching a movie that continuously probably gets worse. Gives you epilepsy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So th- that's one thing I wanted to touch on too is what you said basically is like the editing style and how at the beginning there's not a lot of cuts, you know, in the first few scenes. Mm-hmm. And as it goes, it just gets more sporadic and more chaotic, like throughout up until the end. And that's the same with the music too. That droning, like I'm not a musician, and maybe this is wrong, but like bass, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That was just like constantly fucking throughout the whole bass? thing. <laughs> yeah, like I it's, know what bass is, but I don't know what instrument was playing. I don't no, know if it's like a you're, bass you're probably right. It's probably a uh, just an eight oh eight or a sub bass that's being pushed and then distorted to give it the high end coming out more. Sure. Um, Look, yeah, I, mean, I just know I, Brett knows about music, and I don't want to embarrass myself. So I thought I would go ahead bass? and embarrass myself first by <laughs> announcing that I'm going to embarrass myself. Well, <laughs> the other truth is that there's a lot of ways to make a lot of sounds. I mean, a, a lot sure. of sub sounds are really just an oscillator that's going <clears> through <throat> and being changed waveforms and length. And yeah, I know it depends on how you want to do it. You can create that sound specifically what they did just in an oscillator going in and saying, "This is what I'm going to do," uh, or not an oscillator. I can't even. I, I'm blanking right now, but you can set it up and then you can actually start going through and oscillating it at different pitches and different waves, uh, and pulling in different things so that you can have it react that way. Or 
you can just get a pre-built instrument that just is pretty close to what you like and then start distorting the hell out of it and seeing what kind of natural tones it gives you. They both work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I really like the way that was employed throughout. And at first, I think the first time that shit started was at the bar with the band mm. playing. And I think yeah. it was the song they were playing. And then they just kept doing it throughout after that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't actually pick up on that if that was the case, but the soundtrack across the board was really banging. And a lot of yeah. movies do try to introduce some kind of a m- musical element that comes back as just a sign of something. It depends on how they choose to want to go with it, but, you know. And I could be wrong about that. Maybe I'm misremembering. But It's possible, yeah. It, it's possible both ways, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so the last, like, two things I wanted to mention, I kind of mentioned the camera earlier, but just the cinematography and the way the camera was like mounted to her throughout and then at times it wasn't and was like like you said with the mirror you know just so many different things that they did Mm -hmm. it really played part with making it feel chaotic you know yeah i really like the way that they pulled off camera stuff and a lot of the general framing behind like well what are we going to do here we're going to try and put her front and center of what's going on so that it yeah because with looking at her in this particular way it's more unsettling or maybe we're going to show her when she seems to be in her right mind and it's going to give you a little bit more of a chance to potentially empathize again i don't think that anybody necessarily sympathizes with her i think that that's there's a potential for it, but I think most people, it's it's just hopefully going to be able to tap in to make you empathize. Yeah. Well, until she starts killing people, like, she's obnoxious, but she's not, like, an evil person or anything. You know yeah, what I mean? Certainly. So there, there's ways to sympathize with her up until... You know, she starts just murdering like her landlord and like her. Yeah, but and stuff. I think I think Chris <laughs> does make a good point in that there's a lot of things they do for her as a character wise too. That maybe she's obnoxious, but again, those kind of things quickly continue to push you away from the ability to sympathize. Yeah, and then sure. depending on how you go, if you tip, if you take away the ability to sympathize too early, then you kill the ability to empathize in the long run as well. And then, yeah. like, for, like Chris has had, you just end up with a movie that feels flat because. I think you don't care. Yeah, I think with her, the thing is like, I don't know the best way to phrase this. She's a bad person in the way of like, you're not a murderer, but I still wouldn't want you around. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to sure. be very specific about Well, there are just people about. you don't like. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the like, thing there is are people like, I don't like that, like, you can't even explain it, really. She cheats on her boyfriend. She drags him along. She's just dragging him along. She insults him, even though yeah. he she's the one who's really a deadbeat, you know? Mm-hmm. She, she's just a shitty person. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's the like, thing. I completely and agree. The movie doesn't redeem her in any way, but it also tries to make you sympathize with her, which is what Brett was saying. I think just to kind of expand on my point. Mm-hmm. it's just you can't nothing she goes through hits because even before the murder and becoming a vampire she sucked and like i would almost be more i would almost feel worse for her when she was killing people because of the vampire stuff if she wasn't so shitty you know to where she does that and it's just like oh well she's continuing to suck but now she sucks blood too you know <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I don't know of a time in the movie where they tried to make her sympathetic. Like, I mean, right. there are times where she's like breaking down and crying, and I guess you could say that's like 
you know, tr- trying to make you sympathize with her or whatever. Cr- but crying is a quick way to get sympathy. I mean, like when you actually look at what movie people, like what people do in movies, framing is very important and using frames across different shots, but setting things sure. up to where you see them in different ways. That's important. But I think the number one thing, if you actually go through and look at scenes that typically tend to make people cry, the most immediate thing that tends to set it in is not only is it a sense of injustice, which is typically used like, you know, the green miles, a perfect example of a movie that, I most of the time cry. It's really hard not to because there's the movie builds up the scene of injustice well, but it's also a lot quicker for everyone to cry when they see Tom Hanks have a tear roll down his eye or when you see somebody cry. It's just there's something about crying that doesn't always, but it has a stronger ability to make other humans yeah. quick more quick to but be sympathetic to your situation she was going through things to where like i understand why she was crying but i also don't think it was used as a tool to make you sympathize with her yeah i don't know i mean because, uh, dep- like, do you have like, an example of one of those moments her. that you think i never sympathized with her at all like i never felt bad for her you know what i mean the yeah. only time i i guess i felt sort of bad was when she killed her boyfriend after like begging him to leave because she knew that she couldn't control herself at that point. Yeah, I sympathize a little there too because I, like, yeah, I think that she sucks. Like she tried to get him out of there, but yeah. at the same time, I only felt bad for him. Like I didn't feel yeah. bad for her. You know what I mean? Yeah, I felt bad for her in the most light sense of I think it was the way of the movie trying to say like Chris mentioned earlier that she down talks him, and of course she somewhat down talks him to his face, but then she's also behind his back when. Courtney's asking about her she's kind of like well I'm just holding on to him until something better comes along so it's clear that at least the way she wants to outwardly appear is that he's just around but I think as stuff starts to really hit the fan and she's going through these phases I think the movie does try to give you a sense that she really does care about him a little bit and then I think it nails that home with the fact that she does want him to leave not only because the movie establishes that she doesn't want to fall prey to the normal vampire thing of having bloodlust and killing those that you do like but also I think they at least somewhat set up so yeah I mean you're right I think that the majority of the movie I don't sympathize with her either but I'm able to thankfully empathize with her enough that the fact that I don't sympathize with her is at least not as bad as it could have been. Yeah. And like there's I would not want to hang out with her. Like I don't think she's a fun person to be around or watch or anything, I guess. But at least not from what I we think see. She, well, I I say she's not a fun character to watch, but I really enjoy the movie, so I guess she is. But you know what I mean? Like she's not in it, like in my top 10 characters of the year. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, depending but, on who you are and what you're into, she's really fun to be around. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know. There was never, like, I think she was intentionally bad. And I think it went, I think it worked well. I think that's, you know, yeah, I don't I think know so if that's well. what they intended or not. But if it's not, they somehow accidentally pulled it off because she's still enjoyable to watch as a character, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's I mean, why I like, like it would be so enjoyable just, to watch train wrecks, right? You yeah, know, that's like, sure. the, the difference between us and how we felt about it is she's probably the reason why I hated this movie so much. Right. No, yeah, that's fine. Like I get it. Like, I mean, you, you know, not, not we're not going to agree on everything. Obviously, I mean, this is the first time me and Chris have agree- disagreed on the show, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the first time we've agreed to this. We've disagreed to this uh, degree, and you will see when we when we talk ratings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will. I'm sure it's the exact opposite, a hundred percent. Yeah. 
I mean, it's not but, like y'all have ever had a conversation about a random grappling hook on the sidewalk in 3 a.m. Did y'all see know. the grappling hook in this movie? Uh, abs- yeah, I did. Wait, what? I was did, joking. Oh, did you, shit, okay. <laughs> me too. Brett, what is it, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did you see the little girl who came and got it off of Courtney's body? Oh, uh, yeah. That was, yeah, I really like 10,000 grappling hooks. I really like the scene when that orphanage just went into her house and cleaned everything up. <laughs> so there was no evidence left. <laughs> <laughs> I did, that, before we wrap it up, though, I did want to talk about the violence and how visceral it was. Mm-hmm. yeah it was really, really cool dude when she was like well eating done. the skin off of courtney's face yeah yeah oh yeah and the when she fucking ripped her boyfriend's head off like yep. yes oh that my was the God. one that was the one scene where i was like oh shit that was cool yeah <laughs> yeah that was probably the most impressive effect of the whole movie because yeah. i did not think it looked bad at all no yeah it was insane it looked really good and especially like I know we talked about it already, but just I, I just found out what the budget was. But the the what was his name? Um, or what he was like the colorist and the editor, I think, of the movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, so who decided what tonal yeah. shades were going to be? And used. he had yeah. tweeted out some stuff about it and how like they got in touch with Kodak about the film. A lot of stuff for like indie like filmmakers to read sure. and get a lot out of or whatever, but. That's when I found out what the budget was like less than two hundred fifty grand. Like that's insane. Yeah, that's that, I mean, really, that's awesome. I, and I think that e, you know, even if like going back to that, the movie objectively looking bad, I think really for its budget, I think it looks fantastic. I didn't. I think it's stylistically so cool that it doesn't matter. But even I then, great, I think the yeah. movie just looks fairly good considering that it was filmed so cheaply. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it looks great. I think. You know, with the like we mentioned, with the um, like the the noisiness of it, I think it's intentional. Uh, yeah, I thought most of it was intentional as well. There was really no. I, I thought the majority of the movie felt purposefully shot. Yeah, I mean, using film doesn't like automatically give it that noise. So, like in this at this day and age, like it would in it being new, like newly shot, it would have to be intentional. I would think, unless they just got some. Bad I mean, film. it depends. I mean, you're saying it was shot on sixty mil film, right? Sixteen millimeter, yeah. Oh, 16, sorry, yeah. Um, but the thing about film is that film does have a natural grain, which is technically a noise, which right. is fine. But it's you usually know, it's not just, that bad, though. Yeah, like, it's not there are other pronounced. recent movies shot on film that don't look like certainly. that. Certainly, certainly. So. Yeah. Unless they just got like a bad role from Kodak, then. <laughs> so last thing I have to say, because I pretty much said everything I could say here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why the very first thing that came over me, and I thought it about the rest of the movie too, is at least more so from the side profiles, like when she wasn't looking at the camera dead on. I thought that Desi's actress reminded me a lot of Linda Cordellini, or Cardellini. I, I think is how you actually say her name. Do y'all know who I'm talking about? I don't think no. so. The girl who plays Velma in live action Scooby Doo. Oh, and a bunch of other stuff. I mean, that's just. I <laughs> oh yeah, don't yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah, she yeah. looks closer to like Elliot Page than this girl. I so I I really didn't see that. To, but a lot of the side profile stuff, I was like, is she like? I I looked it up. I was like, is she like Linda Cardellini's daughter or something? Yeah, because 
I just, I saw it again. That doesn't mean anything. No one else could see that, but that's what I saw. And I think Linda Cardellini is very pretty. I see more of like a Zazzy Beats than I see a definitely. Yeah, once I once the movie because you know there's so much color stuff into it. Her skin tone was really hard to figure out from the beginning of the movie to me too. Uh, but once I kind of landed on it more and she started showing more of the frontal things, I was like, I, I do see some Zazzy Beats now that you've the mentioned frontal it. things. Do you mean her tits? <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, the more. Frontal frontal shots of just seeing a direct center front of her face (laughs) she started showing more of her frontal things (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean be real though there was a shit ton of nudity in this movie there was yeah and oh dude and this actress is a very pretty lady yes the fucking two sex scenes are like so fucking different too yeah like one is like five minutes long and super sensual and the next one is like just her getting rammed into a desk for five seconds and then him going, fuck, I'm out of shape. And then her <laughs> looking super unimpressed. <laughs> Before shitting on him because he's going to take some of her drug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, oh, fucking have at it, why don't you? <laughs> um, so I had two things left. All right, shoot. Did... <laughs> One thing that I genuinely don't understand was Courtney being like, oh, what do you think? This whole place is a buffet. There are rules. Mm-hmm. But then... Why would she tell her in the beginning? That's my point. Yeah. Yep. She, she I thought doesn't that pick up too. the phone. She doesn't call her back. And then she gets mad that this woman's just... A newborn fucking going at it. Yeah. This yeah, which is, is a like normal thing in vampire Rabbit, tropes. basically. Like, yeah. you would think you would know that. And if you didn't want this exact thing to happen he would have handled it to be fair well, courtney's always fucking blitzed though <laughs> yeah. she's probably forgotten that she turned her into a vampire yeah maybe uh um, no, did anybody like, else get vibes of uh oh how now of they live whenever they walked into the what i assume which is a vampire club and they're all wearing sunglasses yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and then the last thing was that i thought the painting looked worse by the end <laughs> like i thought, I thought great the scene before the end like, yes amazing. i thought the yes the painting with all the bodies going up and it's just orange was sick and then she added the the woman and the woman kind of had like a derp face and, and, and the, i thought and the hand awful. that was like a claw yeah i thought it looked terrible but like when it was all the bodies going up I, before the woman I was like, oh, this is sick. Even when there wasn't the bodies and it was just, it was literally just the eye of Sauron. Just, (laughs) (laughs) um, that looks good. Yeah, I thought the bodies themselves, uh, and I didn't, I don't, I stopped paying attention to this aspect, but I thought there was a lot of purposeful use towards like devilish imagery from the fact that before any of this starts, the basis for her painting is already what we end up with in the background, which is that red outer with that light like you know the glowing orange center yeah um, well she's got that was down cross above her bed with like yeah. in it. the same is i'm pretty sure i don't know if y'all have seen this but the same cross from like lords of salem yeah the zombie film um, i haven't seen but i noticed across all film. of that um that she kept running in like you know it's called the, the the substance she was abusing was called diablo then she's going to meet dante I was like, huh, is that, are they like purposely trying to pull in like religious names and terminology <laughs> and definitely sp- specifically going toward um, 
the devil. I like, you know, a lot of those things and things yeah. that go through it. But yeah, I thought speaking of Dante, that the painting before she added herself in, which is what I, I viewed that as, yeah. uh, was very Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I just you know say <laughs> real quick and interrupt? I didn't think about this until you, for some reason, just said Dante. And it hit me of like, what if she same. went to the dealer's house and it was just Dante from Grandma's Boy? Smoke this shit, bro. It turned into a fucking zombie. <laughs> <laughs> it turned into a fucking vampire. <laughs> this is called Dracula, bro. I don't smoke that shit, bro. I gave it to the lion, though, and he fucking ate somebody. <laughs> we're, we're all just doing terrible Dante impressions. Oh, just so bad. <laughs> No, now that you mentioned that she was the one there, it definitely gave me weird, like, uh, almost Zodiac Killer vibes where she was collecting all these bodies for herself to rule over, you know? Mm. I yeah, doubt that was intentional. Especially them, like, just... crawling towards her at the end. Yeah, it well, felt very, like... See, I kind of, it looked like it was, I mean, I guess you could say that, but it kind of looked like it was almost like a tower of, like, a statue building towards her, but it also gave me vibes of, like, a dress yeah i could see that too. towards her and i kept thinking about that like the the painting had this vibe of being like a tower that's just kind of like building and building and building yeah uh it just it just looked like shit at the end it looks so much worse than it did before like oh you ruined the painting by adding this disgusting yeah. monolith i felt that way too like it, it i guess ruined would be the word like i was like it's still a good painting like if someone showed me that i'd be like oh, that's actually pretty impressive but it, went, it, it went was from, far more impressive beforehand yeah it, it went from something i could i could see myself buying to something that looks like a fifth grader did it in art class <laughs> like 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 objectively a talented fifth grader but a fifth grader nonetheless sure <laughs> have y'all ever seen that picture that they use to describe different things where it's like what what band's discography is this or what no. tv series is this and it's uh the four quarters of the horse and it's like the back of the butt of the horse is like incredibly yeah, yeah. detailed and then it's kind of yes, like yes, yes, oh yes. yeah it's all right for the second one and then the third one is like barely there and then the fourth one is just a stick horse <laughs> yeah i would that's, agree well, that's that kind of what that felt like the best exactly because it was the best right before the last scene yeah that's that's fair that's fair but it, it gave me those vibes where it's like suddenly, yeah. it, like Chris said, it did have a somewhat aura of derpiness to it. Yeah, it was yeah. very, oh boy. I didn't super notice while watching it, but now that you mention it and thinking about it, I agree. Yeah. But while watching, I was like, yeah, it's fine. It looks like she. I was trying it. to figure yeah. out like what it symbolized. I had this feeling of like, you know, is it building towards this tower and then finally being her with like this thing is like. Is this supposed to symbolize that this was like her magnum opus to an extent? Like this is her final piece. And she kept saying it's going to be my masterpiece. Yeah. So I don't know. I was kind of trying to figure that out. Also, while I'm on that, she's outside of the window when she says that. She calls somebody. And it's somebody that we're led to believe hadn't talked to her in a while. And and she's like, "Um, I'm painting again. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Who the fuck is that? It's her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. That what? That was yeah. supposed to be Clive. Yeah, she just hadn't been painting for three months. No, she was. By the time that that call happens, she had already painted plenty. She she started that bit. She had. I I just I don't know what. I guess that's what it was meant to be. But it to me felt like 
I guess because like Chris mentioned, she had that moment where she went and cheated. I was like, is this her faulting back to another lover? And it just struck me for a weird second that I was like, who is this? That I for some reason feel like they're in an open relationship. It's never explicitly stated, but he wasn't exactly upset when she told him or when he well, found out. Also, I didn't completely... I, that's another thing. Did she actually say... Like, I heard that, I guess, technically she cheated on him and nothing else with Courtney, but... I didn't get the feeling that it was implied that she also did it with the guy. What are you oh, talking I, about? I totally it was did. five it minutes was... of the three of them fucking. Well, yeah. I, I, what I'm no, what I'm saying is towards Clive. Like when Courtney shows up and is like, "We did each other." Clive is like, "Oh, really?" Like, oh, the, Clive the didn't normal know that he was yeah, a part like, of it. Yeah, the no, normal guy now. thing of like, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah, but they <laughs> yeah yeah they they were telling a different story. They were talking about the tranny. I'm sorry. I guess I should. Yes. The yes. Person. When they, they go, to they weren't the... telling Clive about their threesome. Yes, they that's what I'm telling... saying. So it's never explicitly stated, other than the fact that she slept with Courtney, and Clive yeah. does seem fine with that. But that's it is they, interesting that they the completely omit the other guy. But that's what I'm saying is I didn't. I didn't get the sense. That I thought in that conversation, it's a different Courtney conversation. Was... It's when her and Clive were sitting at the bar alone, and Courtney oh. walked up and kissed her. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are two. But also, I guess it's fair to say that during that sex scene, I kept looking. I'm like, what is she orgasming out about when it looks like orgasming she's just humping a pillow? <laughs> well, it's a very bad sex scene. And the guy was like eating Courtney's ass from the complete other side of the bed. So I'm like, there's no way that there's any penetration happening from him. So what am I seeing here? <laughs> they're like, they're both monolithed up together. I don't know. I, don't. I was just confused. I was looking at it like, who's pleasing? Who? Like, how is Desi being pleased here? I can She's not that, touching but herself, I, I but I guess it is a vampire. Yeah. So if yeah, we're led to believe it's me, just a vampire, know. it's it's crazy sex vampire magic. I don't know. I paused every five seconds, and it seemed fine to me. Yeah, Blake was just fucking <laughs> pounding it. one out. He's like, oh. Me and Haley oh, both, seen so we watched quick. it together. We were just like beating our own meat individually. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Go Haley. <laughs> oh, God. So I don't that have note. anything else to say about this movie, do y'all? Nor do uh, I. Brett, no? I, I'm just glad I liked it. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it, too. I'm glad we I'm, all loved it. I'm glad you liked it, too. <laughs> Chris, do you have any follow-up, any ending statements? No, I'm good. I, I don't, like I said, I don't really want to disparage this movie too much. Sure. I think it's just not for me, but... Yeah, that's fair. All right, Brett. <clears throat> Out of five stars, how many do you give it? I wish... This is the one downside to watching so close. I wish I had a little more time to kind of sit on it. Sure. Because I'm wanting to swing pretty high because I did really enjoy the movie and was super engrossed. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest in a good middle ground of where I feel comfortable. I'm going to say four out of five. Okay. I will say, when I first watched it, I gave it five. And this time watching it, I liked it even more. Interesting. It might not be the same for you, but I enjoyed it more my second time than my first, and I fucking loved it my first time. Yeah, I definitely had feelings of like, I feel like a rewatch, because also, like you said, we're trying to do it with taking notes and stuff, and there was like the occasional thing I missed. I kept thinking to myself, like, you know, a rewatch might either (coughs) further cement my enjoyment of it, or it actually may introduce a couple more problems, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, until you you give it. Actually do it, yeah. You love this So, so Chris, 
Out yeah. of what'd you say? I said, "What did you give it?" Since you loved it so much. Well, I want to go to you first, Chris. <laughs> I was trying to help you transition, Blake. So, <laughs> um, We're just riding a roller coaster here, up and down, and then back up. Go ahead, buddy. What do you give it out of five? I'm debating if I want to score it differently. I saw your little box, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I gave it. <laughs> uh, to I be gave fair, it half though, a star. A half, a, half star. a star is what I've expected this entire episode. <laughs> Good. I'm I, glad that I stayed uh, consistent with my review. I wanted y'all to love it so much that I, when I went to review it on Letterboxd tonight or like repost it as a rewatch, yeah. you know, I didn't even scroll down to see your score. I was like, I don't want to know. I was like, I'm too nervous. <laughs> I don't want to know going into it. I tweeted out immediately afterwards. I tweeted, I think I just saw the worst movie I've ever finished in my life. <laughs> and then I deleted it because I didn't want you to see it. Because I was like, I don't want to spoil him on the episode. Oh, God. Right, yeah. So. I, see, that's the fun thing about me is because I don't use my Letterboxd, yeah. I have no clue what either of you think. So going into movies, I'm just like, well, we'll see. But yeah, as soon as you started talking, about the movie I, yeah. I, and I kept thinking I was like as it kept going I was like okay so like a one star and then you kept talking I was like half star <laughs> um, so I give it the I don't complete know. opposite <laughs> yeah I do just want to um, say quick I guess go ahead and then I'll say no it. go ahead say what you gotta say man um, I do want to I do want to make very clear that I've seen I've seen worse movies but I don't finish them so I just, I just, <laughs> I want to make that point where like it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It is very specifically the worst movie I have finished. And it's just not for you, like you said. Yeah. So it's not and that like to push other people away because other people might like it. It's just you yeah. just didn't vibe with it. It's the same. It was kind of how I felt with like uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, where I didn't like that movie at all. But I, de- I told people who I talked about having seen it. I was like, you should watch it and see what you think. I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, you know. And you'll be recommending this to all your friends, basically, is what you're saying. I mean, this is the worst movie I've ever finished <laughs> in my life. <laughs> all right, like so. if I didn't have to, if I didn't have to do this for the show, I would have stopped watching. <laughs> no, I feel you. It's all good. It's a very like I mean, we already established, but it's a very stylistic movie. And if it doesn't yeah. vibe with you, then it just it's not gonna yeah, exactly. it's not gonna click. But yeah. I give it five out of five. So <laughs> surprise, surprise. Look, man, I haven't given a five Five. in a while. No, no, no. I I did. I didn't mean it that way. Surprise, surprise! And like you've already said that you you gave it a five the first time you watched it. Oh, I did say that, didn't I? Yeah, you did. And then you watched it again and loved it even more. And then you were over here talking like you're about to give a secret out. (laughs) Sorry, I I completely forgot that I said that. (laughs) Like, guys, hey. Just I, I I really just don't want to surprise you completely, but <laughs> you know what? I gave Fuck it, it. I gave it five, five stars the first 5. time 5, I watched 5, it. Baby, I'm raising it up. I, <laughs> Six out of five. It would be more shocking to me if you would have just said four and a half. If you would have said I gave it a five the first time I watched it, then I, I gave it it, then I watched it again, liked it more, but now I give it a four and a half. I'd have yeah, been like Chris well, convinced me that there are some problems with the movie. So objectively, <laughs> as an objective critic of a subjective thing, look, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a four and a half. I've clarified before, but I'll clarify again. Five does not mean a perfect movie, in my opinion. Five out of five doesn't mean or ten out of ten, whatever. None of that means perfect because yeah, nothing, nothing is, is perfect. perfect. Except there, for the case of Arkham Asylum, which is a ten out of ten and a perfect movie. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> Brett, <laughs> it's your turn to pick. Am I right or am I wrong? My it, turn. It's Chris. Chris, it is your turn yes. to pick. <laughs> so I have three in mind, 
and I'm not going to tell Number you any two. genres. I'm going to tell, and this is going to blow you guys away. Okay. I have a short movie, okay. a long movie, and a very long movie. Very all, long. All of which are very quality movies that I will pick at some point. Very long. How, I'm, I'm how in the guys. hell does Chris, very long, I don't like it, four Brent. and a half very hour long. movies, figs, <laughs> choose you a very long movie? You for a two hour movie two weeks because ago. Because <laughs> I am very much trying to watch through all the letterbox AFI or whatever. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top 250. And all, of these, both, all three of these movies are on there. All right, so we're doing very long. Go. Brett, what is your... If you don't say very long, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Fine, fine, very long. Really? You want to do the very yeah. long? I didn't expect this. Yeah. Did you say you feel like I'm going to like it? I swear I to God. I think we're all going to like it because it, it's an incredible. What, what, Blake? Are you picking War and Peace? No, I'm not picking War and Peace. Okay. Not <laughs> How well, long is War and Peace? Three hours each or so. It's fucking redonkulous. Oh, well, I, I was going to choose the human condition part one, so it's three and a half hours. I'm down for it. I don't know what that is. It's on the top thing. All right, guys. You heard we, him. The Human Centipede Part 1. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you guys just want to know the movies and pick from the movies? Or do you want me to just... No, keep dude. Uh, keep, keep, you can keep the mystery alive. It's fine. All three of them I want. So we just have to... Bro, are you sure you're down with a very long movie? Yes. Did you, just, did you not just say The Human Condition Part 1? I did, but I'm... It's a three and a half hour movie. I kind of regret saying it out loud. <laughs> Listen, man, if it's got to be a three and a half hour movie, it's got to be a three and a half hour movie. I've got to take a day off of work, get fired. You know what I mean? I, I, I've got to do these things for the podcast. We sake. can do the short one. I'm more than happy to do the short no, one. No, no, no. It's fine, man. I'll just be homeless and make sure that my <laughs> kid grows up under a a. a Bridge, it's fine, no problem. Okay, I say under so a th- bus. This is what we're gonna do. We're not gonna do the human <laughs> under a bus. I was like, we're gonna do. We're gonna space. do the mid-length one. Since no one's listening to me. We'll do the mid-length one, okay. and we will watch Stalker from 1970. Oh fuck yeah! I'm super into that. Stalker. Did you just come, Blake? I've been wanting to watch some fucking russian science movies for a long time <laughs> yeah i'm hyped i'm hyped to watch it it sounds really cool interesting okay well i think that wraps it up for us then it's a uh tarkovsky movie and i'm trying uh-huh. to see where it's streaming at sorry sorry to interrupt. criterion no you're only fine on criterion i didn't know if yeah. it was on something else as well i think it's only criterion and canopy which is a streaming service you can get with your library card if you're district like is signed up with canopy so there could be a free way to watch it if you go to your library and ask them support your local library there's some great shit on canopy straight up our library does not support it but i have a friend whose library does support it and i use her account (laughs) there you go cheat that system however you can hello everybody uh mid editing chris here just to let you know that due to some uh technical difficulties with the criterion channel app brett was not able to watch stalker so we have decided to skip that this week and do 12 angry men um so that will be the movie that we are covering next week Um, and i think blake did end up watching stalker and i'm sure he has some thoughts that he will give us during the beginning of that show anyway enjoy your holidays goodbye 
Anyway, <laughs> be sure to check out 12 Angry Men. And come back and talk with us next week as Chris guides us through his choice as our host. Uh, you can always find us over on social media. You can do the actual midweek matinee one over on Twitter at matinee underscore midweek. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at midweek matinee. You can find Blake himself over at popes underscore Blake underscore nine two at Twitter. And you can go yes. over to Twitter and find Mr. Chris figs at F I G Z two one K. Lastly, you can find me over on the Twitter for Triangle Squared, our weekly gaming podcast that we do every Monday. So if you like games, head over there and hear me and Saul talk about it. And once a month, me and Chris choose out a game and do something that's similar to this style show where we talk in length about one particular game. So if you like that, head over and do that. But... We always end our shows off giving a shout out to our patrons who get these episodes early. So thank you guys so much for supporting the show. And if you would like to be one of those people, head over to patreon.com slash Nartech. But without further ado, we'd like to give a shout out to Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan. Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Eric McAllister, uh, Shadow of Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, <laughs> Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys so much. Y'all ready? Ready. Hello, Don't everybody. Get- God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I finally got the nerve to start. You fucked me up. <laughs> Do you want to hear what I was actually going to say? Yeah, fine. Say it. It wasn't important at all. That's what I think makes it even worse. Uh, I was just waiting. I was like, damn, Blake's taking a little longer than I thought. I guess I'm just going to have to try it. But uh, you said, are you ready? And I've waited long enough. But I was going to say, does a cat's ass get wet when it gets in the bathtub? You waited so long, I was not even going to understand what you were saying. Oh man! Oh man! You'd have been like, "What the fuck is he talking about cats' asses for?" <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> All right, <clears throat> welcome everybody to. I was gonna say the episode number. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Long. That is so we aggressive. Don't even do that. Welcome everybody. But I think you might as well go ahead and restart. Yeah, I'm going okay. to because I don't even know what episode <laughs> we're on, and we never introduce it like that. So I don't know why I keep doing that every time I host. Hello. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
got to welcome. God damn it! (laughs) 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 Just go ahead. I I won't speak until I'm spoken to. (laughs) Thank you. Like all children should be. I'm raising my hand. Can you call on me, please? (laughs) Okay, go. Welcome, God. (laughs) Sorry. Shut the fuck up. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.